I'm going to go ahead and invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to be there in just a minute. Um, we were talking in class about prayer this morning, and, and uh, I remember when, back when I was in school, we actually had a class that graded you on your prayers. Um, it's very dark, but that was something that it always made you nervous when you're like, wow, I'm actually praying for a grade that's super weird. They stopped doing that, and I'm thankful, but um, it is important to evaluate you know, what we're saying. The most important thing to me about prayer public prayer, is recognizing together, um, both as a speaker and, and as a family, that we are in the presence of God. And that this, this is not, and, and I do ask you to evaluate my words and weigh my words. You'll need to do that this morning. Because if there is something that is coming from me, I'm going to tell you right now, my opinions are not worth much. I change them frequently. But if something is coming from God... And I have a strong message for you, and you know and recognize that that is from God. Then respond accordingly. And uh, and so I want to just lift our hearts and lift this time up before God. Um, Paul prayed in Ephesians six in a crazy, amazing prayer. Pray for me that I may proclaim the word of God fearlessly, as I should. Pray that I would proclaim it fearlessly. You don't need to proclaim comedy fearlessly. You do not need to proclaim life hacks fearlessly. The gospel is something you have to proclaim fearlessly. And I just pray that 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 will not be void in this message this morning. I pray it will be challenging. Let's let's pray. Uh, God, I just... um, uh, I, I beg of you, Father, that you would, rec- you would cause our hearts to recognize your presence. Not in a quick prayer, uh, but c- constantly that we live and walk and breathe and speak in your presence. And I pray, God, for the message this morning that, that you, the disciples did not understand. That they were walking in the very presence of God. They, they, that never quite hit home, it didn't feel like. And I, I know it doesn't hit home with us. And I, I pray, God, that that will be a, a reality for us this morning. Uh, thank you so much for the gift of Christ, for the wisdom of his words. It's in his name we come before you. Amen. This is, um, this is Luke 5. Um, the, the story where I'm going to begin today begins in verse 12. Where a leper, and, and that's a word that we're only familiar with maybe in religious circles. It's not something common in our country. It's more common in India and other countries where there's still leper colonies today. But it is something where it is a, a condition that is sickening, that is gross. That um, I didn't put up any images because you've seen the images. It's nasty, and there's it, you just put these people out of sight and out of mind in their own communities. A leper colony. You are unclean, and even if you came around clean people, you know in the Old Testament it says you were to cry out, I'm unclean, get away from me. That's what you're supposed to cry out. I'm unclean, get away from me. And instead, this leper, in a condition he can do nothing about, approaches Christ and he says, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Christ says, I am willing. These powerful words that are the kind of the point of the opening of this chapter. I am willing. And then he says, Be clean. Now, what I learned when I was looking at this is that is. That is a bold statement, be clean. Only the high priest was supposed to say that. 
That was something that only the high priest could announce and proclaim over somebody. And he says this, and immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus says this, and I want you to look. This is verse 14. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So these are the sacrifices Moses commanded. If you had leprosy, you're in Leviticus chapter 14. And it gives you a very specific thing you're supposed to do when you go back to the temple. And Jesus said this, what you do is going to be a testimony to these people. This is Leviticus 14. You are supposed to take two birds. So he would have had to go and get two birds. One of them you're supposed to wrap with cedar wood and hyssop with a scarlet thread. And you're supposed to take the other bird and put it in a clay jar with clean water and kill the bird and let its blood go in. Then you're supposed to take the living bird that's wrapped in this cedar wood, the scarlet thread and the hyssop. Immerse it in the blood of the dead bird, immerse it in water and let it go free. Wow. That is how you pronounce cleansing of leprosy. Now, I'm not going to get into this. I love typology. I love all that kind of stuff. But the prophecy of Christ here being immersed into his blood, being immersed into baptism, the idea of the spirit becoming flesh and the clay jar. Listen, I think that's all there. A powerful testimony of what Christ came to do. But he would have had to go and do this as a testimony of what God had done. But the crazy thing about this story is God, Christ says something only the high priest was supposed to say. Now you are clean. In fact, it says that in Leviticus 14. Once he's done this, the high priest will, will pronounce him clean. So he does something that would, would raise some eyebrows. That's not your authority to do that. But this man has become clean now. That is what introduces the text I want to get into uh, next, which is going to be in Luke chapter um, 5, verse, verse 20. And I'm just going to begin reading this in, in verse 17. So one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men were carrying a a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus when they could not find a way to do this because of uh, the crowd. I'm just going to go ahead and stop there. Um, this is what has happened so far in the book of Luke. He begins teaching in synagogues with, um, with just local villages. Next thing you know, he's teaching on the lake and crowds are gathering. Now, did you catch this? The house is packed with the teachers of the law, with the Pharisees. And keep in mind, their name means separate ones. The separate ones, it sounds cultic and weird when you put it that way. The separate ones have come from every village, every town, and Jerusalem. So the leaders of Israel are now crowding the house. And who can't get in? The leper, the blind, the, 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 those that are on the outside. There's no longer room to approach Jesus. Now there's a powerful message here. I don't want to stretch the analogy too much. But there is a powerful message about churches today. And about those of, those of us that kind of, we, we, we worship church sometimes more than we worship Christ. And when you walk around, it seems to me, when I talk to other Christians, it's more about where you go to church, what church you go to, what church you come from. And our gospel has become church. And the church is a very, very poor gospel. Even if you go to a great one like us. That's not the gospel. 
The church didn't die for your sins, right? Christ is the gospel. And all of a sudden, we, the religious people are gathering and they're crowding. And they're, it's, it's like the, those people that look and they want to come to Christ. They can't get through to him because of us, because of what we've done to the whole thing. Anyway, I'm, I'm stretching that, straining that analogy. But this guy can't approach him. So his friends take him to Christ. They carry him to Christ because he's completely powerless to get there on his own. He's paralyzed. This man could do nothing. Now the leper could do nothing about his leprosy. The, the paralytic can do nothing at all. His friends take him to Christ. I'm not going to get into the whole roof. I don't know. They lower him through the roof. And there in front of all of the teachers of the law and everything, this man has one need that is greater than any need. What is that need? And we would all say he's paralyzed. And that is not the greatest need. Because after all of this work to bring a paralyzed man before Christ, he simply says this, your sins are forgiven. And that's not what anybody was expecting. I can't imagine that his friends dragged him all the way to Christ and went through all this work to hear him say, your sins are forgiven. But listen, when this man left rejoicing, I'm going to give this to you. You can talk about it in life groups. I'm not sure. But was he rejoicing? Because he could now walk. Absolutely. I'm not going to deny that. Or was he really rejoicing because Christ himself had said, your sins are forgiven. You are clean. So Christ did two things in this chapter. First, he said, you're clean. Only the high priest says that. Then he said, your sins are forgiven. Only God does that. This is the situation that he was, he was hopeless to do. I want to read to you this verse from from 1 John, and I really want to focus on this. Uh, this is something I've been praying about this morning, about really being honest with you about. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 just says this. It's a verse you're familiar with. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We have a difficulty today, and it's... It's something that we really need to be honest about. And I want you to just put your heart before God with what I'm about to say. In fact, that's what happens in this story. It says Christ knew what was in their hearts. Simeon, when Christ was still a baby, prophesied about this baby. And he said he will reveal what is in people's hearts. That is the nature of what he does. There's a problem with us today that I don't think we're honest with ourselves or with anyone about what sin is. We're scared to call sin, sin. I want to give you an illustration. Bobby, you can come up here real quick. We're about the same size. We're pretty, we're pretty big guys. And, um, okay, you're supposed to, Rich Armstrong was supposed to do this this morning, but he can't. So you're supposed to put me in a hold that you don't think I can get out of. We've used this before. Now, I could flex right now and destroy you, son. But. Let's back up a little bit. But, see, here's the problem, is Bob and I have talked about this a lot, and so that's part of why I'm using Bob right now. We both know what this means. But have you ever been in a situation where you have a condition that you are enslaved to? It has mastery over you. It's part of your identity. It's part of who you are at this point. It is an addiction and it's part of who you are in your society and your culture starts telling you 
Now, now again, I want you to just be honest with yourself and tell, because I'm going to offend somebody. It, the, here's the thing. It tells you that this is your nature now. This is your nature. This is who you are. In fact, your culture is going to tell you whether it's your sexual preference, whether it's your identity, whether it's your addiction. That is who you are. Don't be ashamed of your natural instincts at all. You follow them. You label yourselves by them. You give in to them entirely. And there's no longer a fight. Christ is a song that I sing. Christ is, is, is life advice. Christ is life hacks. Christ is a good, solid community. But Christ is not master. He is not master anymore. I refuse to call him master. He's simply, he's simply an amazing man that I sing songs to. And this is what I really worship, is me. What I really worship is my own instinct. What I really worship is a big part of me. My arms are completely falling asleep. Uh, but, but, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> but I hold on to it. I hold on to it. And, it's, and I had to pray about this message this morning because I'm looking at our culture and I'm looking at our community and I was reminded of what Christ said to the church in Laodicea in Revelation. You say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and don't need a thing, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You are a leper and you are a paralytic. You are hopeless and you won't call sin, sin anymore. And our culture refuses to call sin, sin anymore. There are very few things that we can get on Facebook today and say that's a sin without having some serious backlash. And so our gospel has been completely hamstrung. Christ is nothing but a song. And the gospel is no longer offensive. I'm just sharing that from my heart. And I want you to, this is something I want you to be praying about. Because I'm watching Christianity today. And the language that we use, that we're comfortable using, is ungodly. And the way I see Christians treat other Christians, the command of Christ is not there. And this is 1 Corinthians 6, 9. This is one of the verses you're not supposed to read. Don't you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Listen to that language. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. How many of these are sexual? Four out of ten. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were, you were transformed. In Christ, the gospel teaches us to say no to ungodly passions. But how are we going to do that if we refuse to label it as ungodly? 
Everything our world, and it used to be this way, everything that the world would say, man, do this. In fact, did you know that the the motto of the satanic church back when that was a cool thing in the 60s? Do as thou wilt was the motto of the church. And now that's the motto of society, completely. If it is your craving, if it is your nature, if it is your identity, do it. Don't get me wrong, I celebrate freedom. But we as a nation and as a culture and as a people have turned our freedoms into a license for immorality. And we have to be able to step back and look at ourselves and say, this is wrong. I'm not the kind of preacher, I hope you know this, I don't stand up here and say, I'm a righteous person, get like me, you sinner. I've had serious problems with sin in my life just like you have. But at least I call it sin. At least I'm willing to look at this thing that has me bound, that has me chained, that is a big part of me and say, God, I'm a leper. God, I am, I am completely um, paralyzed. I need your deliverance. But I don't come to him and say, this is sin. I come to him now because this is where we're at today. And I say, this is just part of my nature. And I praise you for the freedom that I have. I praise you for your forgiveness. But transformation is something I'm going to reject. And I have to be honest with you. And I hope, I had to do this Wednesday, and I hope you'll show me grace when I say this. But I prayed for boldness, and i got to say this. If you have not submitted to Christ as your master, you are not a Christian. By definition. A Christian is someone who has submitted to Christ's authority. That's the definition of Christian. Now, I've got sin in my life. I do. But when I look at the church today and I look at so much that we are now welcoming in our lives, and I am against legalism completely. I hate it because I've been there. But I also am completely against the worldliness that is happening in the body of Christ today. It's not okay. Your world and your culture and every culture will stand against you if you stand for Christ. You will suffer. You will be seen as backwoods. You will be seen as all of this stuff. But we have to hold on to something. And I'm just looking at this. I'm looking at these two accounts. And I'm thinking about these people that were brought to Christ. And I know that the leprosy represented something. And I know that in a paralyzed state, that represents something. So I just want to pray um, this prayer for us as a body. Um, I pray that you will really step back and think about something that has you mastered right now. A sin that is in your life that God would have you look at and say, just label it sin. Just call it what it is and say, I've got this. If I've got cancer... And I've had it. If I have cancer and I keep telling my wife it's just part of who I am, she's going to say, you need to go to the doctor. If she sees one more spot on the back of my head, she's going to say, Jeff, you're going to the doctor. And I look at Melinda and I say, it's part of who I am. You need to accept it. My wife will drag me in the same lock that Bob had me in. And carry me to a doctor. She will carry me. She will do. She was like, "You will fix this. 
You will call it what it is. This is cancer. This is leprosy. This is sickness. This is sin. As friends with one another, um, and I've got good friends in this room. I've got people in this room that hold me accountable, and I pray I hold you accountable. But I pray we'll carry one another to Christ. And I pray in your relationship, in your circle, when you see sin, in love, call it what it is. The way we act on Facebook or whatever social media thing we're in, the way we are behaving ourselves, I shouldn't even have to, this is crazy that I do this when we're driving. Just in our basic lives, I'm begging God for transformation in his people and in his church. And I pray that as leadership and I pray that in myself, we'll never get comfortable I know a lot of what I said this morning, and and I'm not comfortable saying it. It's not the kind of sermon where you get excited about preaching. I just want you to not get mad at me. Well, I don't care if you get mad at me. I just want you to recognize that that's not Jeff talking. I just want you to look at the word and just be honest with yourself. Am I representing the word well this morning? Is that the language of Christ? And in tears... And in pain and in crying out, I pray that we'll have the voice of that leper. Say, God, heal me. I need you to remove this from me. Um, Father, I just, um, I beg of you this morning that, um, that these won't simply be stories in history that we, we read and look at. God, I've looked at my own heart so many times and I look at your body today. And I don't see love, joy, peace. I see bitterness. I see dirty stares. I see people boasting in their churches. I see sickness. I see leprosy. We're comfortable with the language of this world. We're comfortable identifying with what is hostile against you. And I just pray, Father, that we would listen to the voice of Christ, that we would hear him, that we would hear your voice in our lives And that repentance would be something that is daily before your throne. Uh, God, I I ask for this prayer over your kingdom that is meeting across Fort Collins this morning and across this world and your people. I pray, God, that we would not look at church as a a fun social club or a great place to sing. Uh, God, I pray that we would be a people that are a standard in this world, that we set a pillar of what truth is. Uh, the truth of what is right and what is wrong, what is righteousness and what is wickedness, and that we will stop marching to the beat of whatever culture we live in. Uh, Help us to look up and just see you and follow you. And so I began with a prayer for boldness for myself, and now, God, I want to pray for boldness for our body. I pray for courage that we would stand up and that we would be fearless in our representation of you, that we would demonstrate love to everyone, humility to everyone. Um, But God, that we would not be weak in our representation either. That's in the name of Christ and his authority we come before you. Amen. Let's stand and worship God.